Chapter 14 Out of a Wagnerian Opera Through his drowsiness, Herman saw from the clock on the wall that it was a little after nine. He saw, too, Klaus standing in the doorway, and he noticed how disheveled the man looked. Not only had he haphazardly dressed that morning as if he had been in a hurry, but he hadn't even shaved. He looked tired as well, even more so than he had the day before. All this made Herman recall the nightmare Klaus had been experiencing in the car, and he asked, Are you all right? I'm fine, Klaus grumbled. Herman could tell this was a lie, but he pretended otherwise and nodded his head before saying, So what about our average and unimposing lieutenant? Colonel Mueller says that three or four men could match the description, Klaus asserted. He gave me their names, but Colonel Riedel doesn't want you questioning them. Instead, he's having Captain Kleiner do it. What about the other dead men, asked Herman. Were they at the party? Captain Fisher was, Klaus answered, but not Captain Gruber. The conversation then fell silent, and this continued until Herman mentioned, I saw something peculiar this morning on the way here. What was that? inquired Klaus. The door to the gate of the Maisel Synagogue was ajar, Herman let him know. What's so peculiar about that? Klaus inquired next. It wasn't like that yesterday, Herman explained. We could check it out if you'd like, Klaus replied. Then may we talk to the man who found the body at the Spanish synagogue, Herman replied back while sifting through the police reports. Mr. Harabal? Klaus answered by pointing into the hallway, and the two left the office and started down the corridor. Again, Herman couldn't help feel enthusiasm, and again he felt guilty about it. So he tried dampening this. But no matter what he tried or how strong his guilt got, he only moved faster, and he and Klaus approached both the reception area and Marta's desk. Herr Weiss, she uttered, as she rose to her feet with a piping hot cup of faux coffee in her hand and lots of surprise on her face. I was just about to bring this to you. Was I late this morning? I very much doubted, he commented with a grin, as she gave him the cup, which he downed in one gulp. Hervai, she mumbled with even more surprise. That was scalding hot. I know, he told her, and you don't know how much I appreciate it. Gulping down scorching hot coffee would become one of Herman's trademarks. He drank it this way until his death. I once asked him why and he said that eight months of Theresienstadt had made him appreciate hot coffee, and that there was no such thing as too hot. Glancing at Klaus, Herman could tell that he was anxious to get going, so he looked for a place to put down his cup. Marta grabbed it, much as she had done over the years, and Herman and Klaus started off. Is there anything you want me to do today, she called out. This caused Herman to stop and turn toward her, and he saw the same eager expression he knew from all the years they had worked together, which he never ceased to admire. I was terribly bored yesterday, she added. As a matter of fact, he pointed out, you can be of great help to me in our investigation. 
the Jewish community before they left town, so to speak, must have assigned responsibility for the upkeep of their synagogues and other communal properties to some local individuals or companies. If you could do some research at City Hall and find out who's responsible for the six synagogues in Yosefov, I'd very much appreciate it. I'd also like to know everything you could find out about these people or companies themselves. When do you need this, she asked. There's no rush, he insisted. Accuracy is far more important than speed. Marta nodded, and Klaus and Herman continued down the hall. They afterward descended the stairs and passed Hercules and Hydra in the building's lobby before exiting. Waiting for them outside was Klaus's Mercedes, whose engine started on side of them. Though before they could take more than a few steps toward it, a female voice stopped them by calling out, Klaus! Turning toward the voice, Herman saw a beautiful woman in her thirties rush toward Klaus with a paper bag in her hand. This woman was about Herman's height and wearing an expensive black coat and an equally expensive black purse. She also had a big flashy smile on her face that made her look vacuous. But none of these things are what Herman really noticed about her, which was how she looked like a character out of a Wagnerian opera with long and curled platinum blonde hair and light blue eyes. Her skin was also so fair that he wondered whether this was the first time the sun had set upon it. Still, there was something about the woman that made Herman think that there was more to her than the archetype she was projecting, even if he didn't know what this was. So while he felt a visceral dislike toward her because of everything she represented, especially when he noticed the National Socialist Women's League pin on her coat, he found her intriguing, too. He couldn't stop looking at her and thinking about her. You left your wallet, she told Klaus as she stopped in front of him. She further reached inside her purse and whipped the wallet out. This caused Klaus's face to turn a shade of red. As he tersely thanked her, he grabbed the wallet and stuffed it into his jacket as quickly as possible. While glancing at not only this, but also his disheveled appearance, the woman added, Are you all right? I'm fine, he grumbled much as he had when Herman had asked him this. Did you have some kind of accident this morning, was her next question. I heard a crashing sound. I had a bit of a tumble, he explained. I was in a hurry. I woke up late. I would have had Comcha wake you if I knew you needed to get up at a certain time, the woman replied. She was up early baking roholiki. The woman took this opportunity to offer Klaus the paper bag while expressing, they're so good that you don't even need to butter them. Thanks, he expressed back with little enthusiasm before taking the bag with even less. Do you still want to go out tonight, she inquired. I told you I did, he groaned. Now if you'll excuse me. The woman didn't respond to this as she was too busy staring at Herman which led to an uncomfortable silence that overtook all of them, driven by the same thing, the incongruence of Herman and Klaus together. She gawked at this for many seconds while trying to make sense of it, but unable to do so, she turned to Klaus and uttered, So? Excuse me, he uttered back. 
Aren't you going to introduce me, she said. It was clear that Klaus didn't want to do this, but eventually he told the woman what she wanted to know while adding, he, he's an old friend of mine. Strange, the woman remarked as she turned back to Herman and continued her gaze, this time with a curious smile. The source of this was that she found Herman as interesting as he found her. She would say that she found him interesting in so many ways that she wasn't sure which was the most significant. The only thing she knew for certain was that she wanted to know more about him. I don't think Klaus has ever mentioned you before, she contended. He's never mentioned you either, Herman contended back, causing Klaus to sneer a bit from behind the woman. But this didn't last, and Klaus pointed to her and grudgingly said, This is my lady friend, Gertrude Gross. Pleased to meet you, Herman told her with a forced smile. I don't think I've ever met any of Klaus's old friends, she told him back. Perhaps he doesn't have many, Herman remarked, before noticing that Klaus was again sneering at him and doing so far stronger, which he grinned at. Again, Klaus's sneer didn't stay in his face. It faded the moment Gertrude spun toward him, which was just before she declared, Of course, you're inviting Herman to join us tonight. He looks as if he hasn't eaten in weeks. I'm afraid he's terribly busy, Klaus maintained. But Gertrude was persistent. Despite Klaus's continued resistance to the idea, she let him know that she'd get her way. Finally, Herman interjected himself into the conversation by agreeing to the invitation, and Klaus sneered at him for a third time, but this the strongest and most serious. Not seeing this, Gertrude did nothing but smile at Herman, and she informed him, Six o'clock or so, at Ubile Holova. It's not far from... I know where it is, Herman interrupted. Again, Gertrude smiled, and she murmured, You don't know how much I'm looking forward to this. These weren't just words to her. She really meant them. She didn't even know whether she'd make it through the day.